You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Hello and welcome Colts fans. This is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins and I am joined this Monday by Matt Adams. And at least we can say it's over because it has been a painful last half of the season for Indianapolis Colts fans. Um, the finale, Colts lose in Jacksonville to the Jaguars 38-20. to And... You know, this game was really competitive and entertaining in the first half. Uh, Marlon Mack had two touchdown runs. The Colts found themselves up 20-13 to 13 with 39 seconds left in the half. And really, it all went downhill from there. Uh, they gave up 25 unanswered, including a Jaguars 56-yard field goal as time expired at the half. Matt, it is the fourth time the Colts have lost after leading by halftime this season. What is it? about this team that has really give them an inability to finish down the stretch. I, I, I don't know if it's, it's making poor adjustments at halftime or not anticipating, uh, anticipating the other team's adjustments, but it just feels like they'll come out, they'll have a pretty respectable performance in that first half, and then they come out in the second half, and I don't even think they're flat. They just can't get anything done. Um, you know, we, we, we'll talk about Marlon Mack. He was near 70 yards there in the first half and doesn't even crack 100. You would figure that they would stick with that running game a little bit and uh, because of circumstances and, and such, and they probably felt like Jacksonville was going to load up the box too, uh, they didn't get anything out of the running game in the second half. And so I don't want to, I don't want to put it on the players. I don't want to put it all on the coaching staff, but you know, something's got to give on this. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to go to the guy under center, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, you kind of feel bad laying it on the guy. Um, he's kind of thrust in this position, but it is what it is. In the first half, the Brissett led offense, piled up 229 yards. They had 13 first downs, and they did that on 35 plays. By the end of the first half, Brissett was 19 and 14 for 122 yards. Then the second half came along, and the Colts, with 20 plays, mustered up just 46 yards, four first downs. Brissett was a three of 11 passing for 40 yards. That that's just not going to get it done, and. It almost feels like we were talking before the show, like the Colts will scheme up a few things and hit a few good passes on some creative play calling in the first half. Defenses wise up to it in the second half, and Brissett just isn't getting it done. He's not doing what you need to do to beat people out there. Um, granted, it was increased pressure. He lost a pair of fumbles within a two-minute stretch that really killed them at the end of the game. Um, one of those fumbles was returned for a touchdown by Calais Campbell. Um, and then two plays later, Brissett lost the fumble again while being sacked by Taven Bryan. Given the short field, um, Jaguars recovered the ball at Indianapolis' 34-yard line. Gardner Minshew was able to capitalize and hit D.D. Westbrook on an 18-yard touchdown pass that really put the game out of reach. After the game, Jacoby Brissett says, I can't make those mistakes at those times. He finishes with a stat line of 12 completions on 25 attempts, 162 yards, no touchdown passes for the third straight game. Mm, man, third straight game, no TD. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. No interceptions on the game either. Um, over the last eight games of the season, not counting the Pittsburgh game in which he was injured. So this starts with the Denver game, excludes the Pittsburgh game. But over those last eight contests, Jacoby Brissett has thrown just four touchdown passes total. Three interceptions, um, 
his defense, he has ran in three touchdowns as well. But five of those eight games, he has passed for under 200 yards. And we'll get more into this in future episodes as we start to get into team building and the offseason. But down the stretch here, I, I know he had the injured knee. I know his weapons around him have been injured. But still, just, just from the eye test, does Jacoby Brissett look like the answer to you? Unfortunately, and it, it pains me to say this because I, I really thought he showed a lot of promise when the, the Colts uh, had traded for him and he had to kind of get pressed into service there. I thought Luck retires, uh, Brissett is going to be a capable guy there under center. And for about half of the season, he showed that. Um, they weren't lighting it up, but they could win if they didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. In the second half of the season, we've just seen a lot of mistakes, and it's not like he's just throwing a ton of interceptions because he still takes pretty good care of the ball, uh, the fumbles uh, from yesterday's game aside, but it's just the the lack of being able to consistently, you know, he'll have a good game here and there, but the lack of being able to hit a big play or a big play when you need it consistently, the the inability to hit a guy uh, throw the ball to him in stride or when he's sitting in the zone and just get the ball to him for what should be a first down and the inaccuracy on those throws is striking. And I, I know the supporting cast hasn't been great. I know that, you know, Deion Kane didn't work out and Paris Campbell's on IR and, and the Funchess move didn't go uh, work for them. And, and, and Reese Davis, or not Reese Davis, um, Reese Fountain. Uh, uh, Reese, Reese Fountain. Um, he was, you know, uh, hurt early in the season, and so they just never had their weapons kind of coalesce. Um, but that said, when you have a franchise guy, when you have a, a really good quarterback or a great quarterback, they're able to elevate the play of those guys around you in the lineup. And I just feel like that, and again, I, I don't want to just this be the Andrew Luck podcast every week, but you cannot deny the impact that that retirement had on this team. I feel like if you've got Andrew Luck under center, some of those games that didn't swing the Colts' way this season go the Colts' way. And we're looking at a team that's probably 11-5, and five, even with T.Y. Hilton being hurt, even with Funches being out for pretty much the whole year, even with Paris Campbell not being um, available for very much. Yeah, you look at the you know first half of the season for Brissett compared to the second half. Over the first seven weeks, Six of his seven games, he threw multiple touchdown passes. For the rest of the season, he would go on to do that one more time, and that was against Tampa Bay's poor secondary. So, you know, and I only feel like you can blame the knee injury so much. Um, It kind of came out before the game this past week, Nick Sirianni talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, it's funny with the Colts. You go, oh, it's not an issue, not an issue, not an issue until, you know. Until it's an issue. Yeah, yeah until yeah. damage control yeah. time comes along. And then they admit it was an issue. He starts talking about the knee and how it affect the timing on his drops. I, I don't know. This is NFL. Players have to be able to play through injuries. You see players do it all the time. And if, if Brissett's going to have to be 100% healthy to be the quarterback we saw in the first half of the season, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen because you can't rely on players being 100% because most of the time in the NFL, they're not 100%. And, you know, another thing is teams might have figured them out a little bit, figured the offense out a little bit. They I, had, think, I think I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. They know that um, if we can see it sometimes as fans that Jacoby Brissett has limitations, then you know that people who get paid a lot of money to coach football and know their X's and O's out there see that Jacoby Brissett has limitations, and they can scheme that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it was not all Jacoby Brissett's fault. Um, in the second half there, you know, Marlon Mack 
got the ball just three times, three runs. That's kind of excusable. You know, a lot of that was based on the inability of the offense to keep drives alive. Um, I'll go through it here. You look at the yards 40. Four, I mentioned 40 in the second half. When you're only getting four first downs in the second half, it's hard to keep running the ball because you just don't have the opportunities. you got to keep punting. Um, we, we mentioned the two fumbles. T.Y. Hilton, he was targeted just once in the second half. And he looked good. He looked fine, you know, because it, it's been a struggle for T.Y. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. Uh, but he was running really, really well this week. But they've only gotten the ball. They only got to the ball t- to him three times, and two of them came in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. It, why he wasn't. I, this is another thing where we don't know if this is game plan deficiencies, mm-hmm. Could be. where they're not, you know, scheming up their best player to get the ball, or if this is Jacoby Brissett simply not getting the ball where it needs to go. But one target in the second half for a team that was trailing for most of the second half is inexcusable. Especially when, I mean, part of the whole thing for this Colts team, especially in the second half of the season, has been we don't we don't have our weapons. Well, you got your weapon, use him. Yeah, there's no, especially with, you know, we talked about the lack of weapons around him outside of T. Will Hilton. There's no reason he shouldn't be seeing double-digit targets every single game. I mean, really, 27 throws and only three of them went T. Will Hilton's way. What are you doing out there? And then, you know, you look at the defense. This defense really, I remember at midpoint in the season, Frank Wright's talking about our defense is legit where it hasn't been lately. Um, over the last month here, the Colts, you go back to the Tennessee game. They gave up 31. Buccaneers, they gave up 38. They gave up 34 versus the Saints. I don't think the Panthers starting a quarterback yeah. making his first start yeah, really counts. Toss so, that one out a little bit. Yeah, they only gave up six in that one. But then a season-high 38 to Jacksonville. That was the most safe scored all all year. So I think Kenny Moore is a lot of it. He's been out. His last game was the Tennessee game. So not having Kenny Moore, who may be the most irreplaceable player on the defense. We're not going to say he's better than like a Darius Leonard, Justin Houston. Um, but for his role in that defense, he might be the most irreplaceable because when he's out, the defense just isn't the same. It's completely different. I mean, you, you think back to the, the Houston Texans game, uh, you know, the the two the great two games. Uh, stretch that they had where they beat Kansas City and they beat the Texans and you think what they were able to do defensively in those games and they had Kenny Moore out there um, it's just a different defense when he's out there he may not be as you said the most talented guy out there he's kind of undersized and all that stuff but he's indispensable to this defense as far as the amount of stuff he's able to do out there as far as coverage and knowing what he's doing out there and then also using him in the the pass rush as well to complement that. Pass rush against the run. Really, when Kenny Moore's out, there's no one on the team who can replace his role. We've seen guys step up for Darius Leonard. Um, the Colts have other speedy linebackers. No, they're not on Darius's talent level, but they have guys who fit the mold and can step into that role. Yeah, and you, you feel like if you have to have Anthony Walker replace Darius Leonard for a couple of games, there's a drop-off, but it's not as significant of a drop-off as we've seen for that position as we've seen for when Kenny Moore's not in the lineup. Exactly, and that that inside, that slot cornerback role is different from the outside. You can't just take any guy and stuff him in there and expect him to do the same exact thing. Um, Looking through here, the Jaguars, this is a game in which their star running back, Leonard Fournette, did not play. 
didn't seem to matter. Uh, head coach Doug Marone had been told or at least heard from the media that he was losing his job after the game, and that didn't seem to matter, although we've heard conflicting reports on yeah. that. Yeah, the, the owner came out and said, oh, that's that's not true. We're not going to fire him. Because the report was, I believe, that once the game was done, they were going to can Marone. Uh, and they had not, as, as of this podcast recording, they have not done that yet. But the owner put out a statement that said that is categorically untrue. Uh, we're going to meet with the coaching staff later in the week. So maybe later in the week, Doug yeah. Marone and staff are are, are done. But for uh, as far as being fired after the game, that's not the case. Not the case. Uh, Jaguars, I'll list out their first six possessions. Field goal, field goal, touchdown, interception, field goal, touchdown. And then um, with just 38 seconds left, they allowed the Jaguars to get into field goal range. And Jacksonville hit a 56-yarder to make this a four-point game before the half. So, you know, the interception, sure, was nice. But everything else, Jaguars were getting right down the field, um, pretty much moving the ball at will in that first half. And Gardner, they made Gardner Minshew, the six-round rookie, look great look out good. there. Look good out there, man. Um, completed 27 of 39 passes for 295 yards, three touchdowns, um, just the one pick. Jaguars, I mean, the first possession of the second half, 80 yards, 11 plays, chewed up, what was it, over six minutes? It's like six and a half minutes or something like that. Yeah, they really just punched the Colts right in the gut coming out. That drive just felt like it lasted forever. And six and a half minutes of game time is a significant amount of of time. Uh, But it just like, is this... Is this ever going to end? Like, you kept just waiting for them to just hit a big play so you could just bring it to a merciful end. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, the Jaguars, for a team that had nothing to play for, if anything, they just uh, ruined their draft status a little bit. They certainly looked like the team that wanted to win a little bit more than the Colts on Sunday. Um, Some high notes for Indianapolis. Quentin Nelson, uh, I'm sure, as you saw before the game, was able to clear concussion protocol, which means the Colts started the same Five offensive linemen for all 16 games this season. That's the first time they've done that since the year 2000. Really an impressive feat that would mean a lot more if the Colts were in the playoffs. I mean, you go, that's nice, but it didn't. It obviously wasn't enough because the Colts didn't get to where they wanted to go. Um, Indianapolis managed 132 rushing yards on the day, and that upped their season total to 2,130. That is the first time the Colts have surpassed 2,000 rushing yards as a team in a single season since 1994. Wow. And that is the ninth most rushing yards the Colts have had in franchise history. So, you know, all the hats run the damn ball. They ran the damn ball. It might not have done a whole lot else very well, uh, especially down the stretch, but they ran the ball. Uh, Marlon Mack in the game, 15 carries for 74 yards and a pair of touchdowns. 90% of that came in that first half. Um, His 1,091 rushing yards on the season are the most since Edron James piled up over 1,500 back in 2005. Um, Let's see. Marlon Mack did miss two games on the year, so that makes it a little more impressive. Yeah, you'd probably be looking at maybe 1,200 yards uh, on the season if he'd played that game, maybe a little even more than that. And if, you know, if the... If the Colts uh, had a little bit more of their quarterback play, it could have been even more because, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't able to get going in the second half because the Colts' offense kept stalling. you got to be able to string um, first downs together and able to run the ball. Going three and out is not going to get it done. 
Darius Leonard got his fifth interception on the season. He is a monster. That is the most by a Colts linebacker since Cato June Cato in 2005. June. I have not heard that name in a while. It's been a long time, Cato June. I believe he made the Pro Bowl that year, too. Um, his only, I'm sure. Linebacker Darius, I'm sorry, linebacker Anthony Walker finished with a career-high 16 tackles, and he, not Darius Leonard, actually leads the team. Um, Leonard undoubtedly would have led the team in tackles so this he season. missed a few games. Yeah, yeah with the concussion. Um, he was ended up just two games behind Walker. Um, kind of shows just how impressive of a player Darius Leonard is. But the Colts finished 2019 at 7-9, and nine, and with that loss... They have been awarded the 13th overall pick in the NFL draft. They entered Sunday's game with the 16th overall pick, and depending on scenarios, could have had a pick as late as 18th if they had won and um, other teams you know, either won or lost. Depends on how some of those other games fell. Correct. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 13th is... It's not a bad draft pick, but it's far higher than the Colts fans hoped. They would be drafting heading into the season, especially when they sat there at five and two. To go from five and two, okay, I wonder what our playoff standing right. could be. To which all of which a was the thinking at that point because yeah. that team was looking really good. Yeah, like we knew that there were going to be some challenges in the quarterback side of things, and you never know how injuries are going to affect a football team. But when you're sitting at five and two to start the season, you're th- you are thinking uh, at the very least you're thinking wild card. You know, at that point. Oh, yeah, and then to only win two more games for the rest of the year is is kind of pathetic, really. I understand there were a lot of circumstances that went into that, but, you know, I don't think the coaching staff should leave this unscathed either. They certainly had their shortcomings as well this year. Um, Going on to some news, left tackle Anthony Costanzo made comments today saying he's open to retirement saying that he has some decisions he needs to make this offseason. He will be an impending free agent, and um, Mike Chappell especially has been pounding the table for his re-signing. Well, this might be a big reason why that contract extension has not happened yet because Costanzo didn't know what he was going to do after the season. He's still got to figure that out. If the Colts have to not only find their quarterback of the future, not only find some wide receivers to help out that quarterback of this future, but then also find a franchise left tackle of this offseason. It's, it's a tall order, Joe. It's just became a multi-year offensive rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, it, it'll be the most challenging offseason for sure that Chris Ballard has had because, um, you know, where, where Luck's retirement happened, and it happened in August, there was really not a whole lot that the franchise could do based on the timing of that. This offseason is now sort of the repercussions of the Luck retirement because you're looking at franchise quarterback or veteran quarterback or something along those lines. And now with Costanzo having played here in Indianapolis his entire career, thinking, well, you know, maybe it's time to, to hang it up. That leaves a huge hole on the left side. Now, um, you know, our colleague Mike Chappell, uh, with great reason, uh, loves Anthony Costanzo there on the left side. He's like the best player nobody hardly ever talks about on the, on the, on the team. He's absolutely right about that. And if you don't have him out there, then that changes the dynamics of everything that you've got to do on, uh, from a personnel standpoint. Yeah, and you got to wonder how much the Andrew Luck retirement has 
played into this from Costanzo, you know. With luck, the Colts are Super Bowl contenders, and he's thinking, I might have to, a chance to get a right. ring on my finger before I hang things up. Without luck, and especially seeing how the season has gone down the stretch, you know, a guy who's in his 30s, let's see, I, he is 31, he'll be 32 by the time next season comes around. Um, he's remained relatively healthy and durable, but still the NFL wears on you mm-hmm. and especially in the offensive line. I mean, that is the definition of a grind is either side of the ball uh, when you're talking about the line play. Um, well, they draft him in 2011. Is that? Yeah. So yeah. He, he, he was brought along the year before Andrew Luck yeah. was drafted. So he, he's a Bill Pullian holdover. Yeah, yeah. One of the few. He's yeah. played 132 games in his career. And he might be wondering, is it worth it anymore? If we're not in the hunt for that Super Bowl ring, is it worth keep beating up my body? He's made plenty of money over his career, and you know he'll be able to spend more time with family once he's retired. I'm sure that's all things that he's going to weigh and sit on over the next upcoming weeks here. He does have some time to make that decision, um, and we'll have more on that as the offseason goes along. But that'll be certainly a big piece um, of the Colts' offense moving forward is that franchise left tackle. If that's another hole the Colts have to fill, this offseason just became a lot more tricky. And it's hard to do that in the draft because those guys tend to go up in the, the top 10 of the draft, even higher than that. And then when you're talking about trying to get one of those guys uh, left tackle out of free agency, it's going to cost you a boatload of money in order to do that. So uh, not only from the personnel standpoint, but from the financial standpoint of it, if you're going to trade up to get somebody like that, you're going to probably, you're going to have to, if, if you're the Colts where you are at 13, you're going to have to get up a boatload of picks, which as we know, Ballard is not really one of those guys to do that. But I do think if he felt that he had a guy, either quarterback or left tackle, that is like, we got a Quentin Nelson type or somebody that we're almost 100% sure is going to be a star for us. He might do something like that. Yeah, I, the only position I could really see him doing that, and we'll get into, you know, we have all off Oh, we got a long off until season. April to Absolutely. talk about this. But I could see the exception to the rule. You know, he loves some picks, but quarterback is different. Quarterback's different. Quarterback's the one position you have to have or else your team's not going anywhere. And, and you've got to nail it because if yeah. you don't nail it, then you have set your franchise, you know, up the river for three or four years. And it's the position where you, you either nail it or you didn't. There's no, oh, he's pretty good, he's solid, he's right. all right, um, which is what Costanza was kind of considered the first half of his career, and he's really been playing his best ball as of late. Mm-hmm. But with oh, the for sure. quarterback position, there's no, you know, look at Andy Dalton. He's been that guy who's all right, he's, just all he's right. decent. They gave him a big deal a few years ago, but you've seen that Dalton's a good quarterback. Obviously, he hadn't, has, hadn't had A.J. Green with him at all this season but he's just not the guy yeah he's a good quarterback if you've got a good defense and you have good weapons to go around him he's not he's not able to elevate the franchise around him and unless the Colts think they've pinpointed the guy in that draft and then have the capital to go up and get him because they're not no Joe Burrow's gonna fall to no. them at 13 oh, gosh, gosh I mean, no he's going number one and you can get that tattooed um, and then, so unless some of these secondary guys, we, we'll talk about each of their issues as in future episodes, but unless they fall in love with any of them and are hundred percent convinced Ballard might go, you know what, let's address left tackle. If we have to, let's address 
wide receiver, build up this roster to the point that maybe next year, if we do find the guy, the team will be in a better position for the quarterback to succeed. But that's all things we got to see. We got to figure out during this offseason. Wouldn't you agree that, that Ballard is probably more likely to trade down to like 16 and pick up like a third round pick than he is to trade up too much in the draft? Yeah. 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 Well, and you think about it next year, I, I know a lot of things can happen and it's dangerous to look this far ahead, but Trevor Lawrence is in the draft mm-hmm. next year. And so if the Colts swing a couple moves, sort of like they did with uh, Washington this past draft, where they maybe trade down, pick up a next or second round pick next year, that second round pick from Washington turned into the 34th overall pick in this draft. That's just two, two spots outside of the first round. So that ended up being a very valuable trade for them. Um, you know, if he makes a couple of those moves, loads up on picks for next year to put the Colts in a position where they can trade up and go get their guy, um, you know, that's something that certainly he's got to consider if they do not pinpoint that player in this draft at the quarterback position. A um, little other news that Mike Chappell was able to garner from talking to the team today, T.Y. Hilton. They kind of had their, their exit interviews today, uh, kind of their post-mortem the, the team did so <laughs> that's right yeah he's talking to the team talking to ty hilton um and he described the tear in his calf he said it was a two centimeter long tear in the calf he tried to come back and play on it and it made it worse it tore to three centimeters long so tore an extra centimeter there and it's just really you know the whole time frank wright we're not going to bring him back to he's 100%. We're going to protect the players from their players. But then he kind of talked about T.Y.'s different. T.Y., you kind of weigh in what he has to say a little more. Well, it seems like that's backfired there because they let T.Y. come back a little early, and he ended up re-injuring himself. Um, there's been so many things this year that the Colts will say, and then you find out later it turns out they were – Saying it just to say it, and, and all NFL teams do it, but it you just kind of feel like the Colts haven't been that way too much. Um, but this year they definitely were. Yeah, I mean, whether with the Andrew Luck and his foot injury that back in what I mean that started back in March. Yeah, March, April, not somewhere a big deal. There. Yeah. Be fine by training camp, but I know it's hard to you know everyone thought his foot would be better by then. To then go to, you know, T.Y. Hilton's injury. It just seems like with injuries, you can't trust a damn thing. No, no, you, you can't. And, uh, yeah, because, you know, with, with luck and that injury and, and like, oh, well, you know, maybe he might end up missing a, a little bit of training camp. Okay, he doesn't do anything in training camp, really. Uh, you know, maybe the first two or three weeks, maybe we have Brissett start and then we think Andrew will be healthy by then. And, and you know what, guys, I'm just going to retire. I'm just done. And we, we hate to keep bringing that up, but... Again, you're talking about a franchise quarterback in the NFL who just suddenly decided to, to give it up. And I, I don't wish that Andrew Luck had played this year or, or anything. Well, maybe I kind of do. But, I, you know, it's just you cannot escape how big of an impact that has on the franchise going forward, either yep. whether oh, this absolutely. season or in the, in the years ahead. Because you figure you're good at quarterback for maybe – four or five seasons at very least at the very least if luck decides to stick around and now instead of that you've got a big giant question mark at qb1 at a team that looked like they're ready for a super bowl and i mean 
this is something that's going to be talked about. People are going to bring it up. Well, maybe maybe he had some time off and he decides to come back over the offseason. I really don't get that feeling at all. But crazier things have happened. Really, the Andrew Luck story, as painful it is as it is for Colts fans, it's the stuff ESPN 30 for 30s are made of. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. They're going to revisit this. This is one of the bigger moments, not just in NFL history, but in sports history. A guy really top. Top of his game, man. Top of his game and decided to call it quits. And yeah, it, It's disappointing, but you can't do anything but move on. A couple of teams that did move on, the Texans and Tennessee Titans, they'll be playing in the playoffs on Saturday. The Tennessee, uh, I'm sorry, the Houston Texans will be hosting the Buffalo Bills. And then Tennessee travels to New England to beat the Patriots. And the Patriots are playing Saturday because the Miami Dolphins. The mighty Miami <laughs> Dolphins, everyone. Were able to go into Foxborough and take down the Patriots on a last-second touchdown. Um, did you catch the Chiefs game? Because I thought it was really cool how the announcer was kind of announcing both games and you could see the Chiefs fans celebrate because New England losing means that they dropped down to three and the Chiefs go up to two. Chiefs get the first round by. They would get home field advantage if they meet New England in the playoffs. Really, that's a huge loss for the Patriots. I, I, and it happened in Foxborough. Like, if the if the Patriots had their last game of the season and they went to Miami and they laid an egg, I think, eh, okay, well, it happened on the road. It's an NFL, The NFL's funny sometimes. And I guess you're still thinking that, but for it to happen at Foxborough is just so embarrassing. It, we've said it. Time and time again, New England really doesn't look like they got it this year, but they really don't look like they have it this year. I mean, Brady's showing his age. The offense lacks weapons. Don't say this, Joe, because they're just going <laughs> to steamroll through the playoffs and we're going to have to watch them in the Super Bowl again. Tighten up is what I got to <laughs> say on Saturday. Let's go Titans. Let's go Titans, absolutely. Let's beat New England um, so we don't have to worry about them getting another ring. Just out of curiosity, um, who are you going to be rooting for this playoffs? Uh, you know, I, I, I would never have thought that I'd said it, but say it. But I've really enjoyed watching uh, the Ravens this year. Yeah, you know, it's hard to root against Lamar Jackson. I really like Lamar Jackson. He's been fun to watch. Um, and I, I, I mean, I guess I don't have too much of a, a problem with Kansas City either. I mean, that's no. a, a dynamic, fun to watch offense. And can Andy Reid do anything in the playoffs with his team? I guess we'll find out. And I used to have this thing when, uh, you know, more of a fan, but when Andrew Luck was playing, I used to almost root against the Mahomeses and stuff. Because yeah, because you, you don't have to... You don't want to have to play against them. Well, not only that, but like comparing Mahomes to Luck, I didn't. Gotcha. You know, I you would don't want him want, to be better than. Better yeah, than Luck. I didn't yeah, want yeah. Mahomes gotcha. to get that Super Bowl ring before Andrew Luck was able to, and now that's kind of all out the window. So I'm like, whatever, go get it as long as it's not the Patriots. But yeah, I'd kind of like to see Baltimore get it too because with um, Lamar Jackson's playing style, it's hard to imagine he's going to last very long in the NFL playing like that. So I kind of like to see him get a ring. Get, while get it he while can. he can and be successful while while you can. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not a huge Ravens fan at all. But again, it's been such a pleasant surprise, I suppose, as a fan to watch that team this year. So. I say have at it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, we will be back this Thursday when I'm joined by Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. We will recap the entire 2019 season more in-depthly. 
Um, talk about that great first half start. What went into the failures of the second half of the season? We we also we were joking before the show, and I know you're, you're wrapping up, so I won't get on for too long. But we were having uh, some dark humor as the fact that the way the Colts season uh, progressed with a good first half and a bad second half is sort of Jacoby Brissett in a microcosm. Oh yeah, yeah. No, Brissett's games where he starts off, you know, playing pretty well, and then can't do anything yeah. in the second half really how the Colts as a team have been down the stretch. So, you know, we'll hear from Chapel. We'll hear from Dave on Thursday about um, their more overcompassing thoughts of the entire season. Um, so download, subscribe, um, give us a rating and comment there on iTunes. That really helps us out. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Statomatty. And you can follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter for all your Colts needs at Colts Blue Zone. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back Thursday.